Greetings, lovely listeners. You are listening to Saga, a podcast where a dude and a chick discuss art and animation. Abominable is pretty much a classic tried and true plot of a uh, of a strange magical special creature um, that escapes from like this government organization with uh, with strange ambiguous morals and ambitions. And the strange creature meets a young, sweet, wholesome kid, and they go on this grand journey where uh, they're trying to take the creature back home and they learn things along their way and they become friends. And yeah, that's the plot really. Um, But with like a Chinese backdrop. Spoiler alert, this audio may contain spoilers. So please proceed with caution or an open mind. I don't care. So this movie, I think it's rated PG or G. It's probably rated G. It just came out in theaters on Thursday night, and it's pretty good. Definitely take your kids to it. So what did you think about it? Hmm. Well, what did I think? Um, it was... I liked parts of it. It... I don't know. I kind of felt that it was pretty standard. Um, like a... I, I give it like a... Like, like a 7. If, if I were to like grade it. 7 out of 10. Um, yeah, uh, so, um, I did like the, the main character and named Yi, who, you know, she was very ambitious and she was like working towards a goal and, you know, she was saving up money, but I do have a question about that. So she didn't accept Venmo, like, like online currency. She only wanted cash. Uh, like why? Do you know why? <laughs> uh, that was a good question. Maybe she didn't have like a bank account. They didn't really explain how young or how old she was. Right. Yeah, like teenaged years, probably. Yeah, like maybe 13, 14. Yeah, your parents have to set it up for you though. Huh. You can have a bank, have a bank account at like teenage years, right? Hmm. Okay. That's but okay. Could it be something like a PayPal? You could do a PayPal for sure. Well, they can't proprietorize like they can't say that in the movie though. They could say Venmo, but they can't say PayPal. I guess I don't know. <laughs> Pay me now. <laughs> money pal or m- money bud or <laughs> or something like that. But uh, yeah. So you're right. So she she wanted cash so that she could. You know, like she was working several jobs so that she could afford to go on this uh, on this trip across Asia or like like was it Asia or is it like just China? I think it was Asia. I think it's just just China. Yeah, there were like six or seven different spots that her father wanted wanted um, him and his family to go to, but unfortunately he he passed away, leaving Yi with with uh, his violin. 
and and uh you know she liked to play the violin but no one's like really heard her play since her father died and in many ways she became a shut-in yeah just like disconnected from everybody right um and this is when 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 something like uh, i have a question about that that i i think is a plot hole or something so when she was on the roof she was definitely playing the violin right like i i okay okay and then she sees the unconscious yeti and then she like fumbles with the violin and then <laughs> she makes a sound with it and then the yeti wake wakes up yeah pretty loudly i Right. right but it wasn't her actually playing like super loudly that woke me i mean it's it was a very peaceful playing maybe it wasn't like you know like how when you're asleep like deep and deep and like you hear something but you're not really sure if it was a dream or if it's like in reality okay uh all right so let's say that when she was playing it was like a lullaby like it was soothing and the yeti didn't notice but when she fumbled it it was like a harsh sound that awoken the Yeti. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of plot holes in this. We'll continue on that. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, so right. So that's when the Yeti woke up and then it was hurt and then uh, it was hurt. And then like she wanted, uh, she, you wanted to help it, I guess. And then that's when the uh, evil organization were flying over with helicopters and they and then Yi like covered the Yeti with like blankets so so they couldn't find it and then yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah okay um can we talk about the whoop snakes real quick so in this movie like there's Mr. Burnish who's like in charge of this whole organization apparently he's like a collector of rare species and like he says some off the wall stuff and it makes you think that he's like the evil evil one in this um you know there's a spoiler alert for a reason um but he's not so he has these like snakes in his possession and they're called the whoop snakes and they're just like the weirdest things ever but i I fully appreciated the fact that they did that little comic relief there. Right, and there was this like recurring character called Dave, who at first was accidentally like struck with with a um with a sleeping dart by his own teammate, and then like he does some other like weird things, like he's embarrassing to his coworkers and. And he gives all of his clothes <laughs> to the to the um to the kids uh, at 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 the end. And there's this like whoop there it is joke uh, with the whooping snakes. Which is <laughs> oh that was a good callback to that. Oh that was so good. <laughs> that was really good. That was one of the jokes that made me guffaw. Um good. Uh alright, so yeah, um Dave was a good character. And another good side character was the captain, who was like uh, Doctor Zara's like right hand. And I don't think he, he he was, but he sounded like he was voiced by like Patrick Warburton. Did you get that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he was pretty cool too. Like he was a pretty light comic relief. Yeah, there was uh, quite a few comic, but um, 
I don't know, Everest is a weird character to me. Like, I like the way that you said that he's kind of ambiguous in, like, his motives, because you're not really sure what he's like. But he's kind of like a giant cat, if you can get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a like a dog, maybe, because he's, like, sort of, like, curi- like, he gets into mischief and he's, like, hyperactive. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, honestly, he, he uh, Everest was probably, like, the least interesting character in this to me. Like, he was just sort of, like, there, occupying, like, screen time, where I'd rather be spending with, like, our our three leads or the villains. Hmm. All right, so I've got an idea about this, but let's continue before I just, like, throw it out there. Okay. Uh, one thing that I did have a question about was, um, how did Jin, like, how did his phone not run out of power? Like, he was using that thing constantly. And they were, like, on the road for, like, two days at least, right? I don't know, man. Those Chinese phones, that's all I got. Yeah. 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 Got a point. Yeah. Uh, They have a whole new standard over there. So, yeah, makes sense. Moving along, let's see here. The giant wave was, like, breathtaking. That was amazing. Yeah. So, my initial thought when I saw this, and I was like, wow, you know, like... They say the animation is, like, limitless in imagination, and I was like, this is what they mean by limitless. (laughs) Like, I mean, we've seen a lot of animations, and this, to me, was just so beautiful. And it took so many different elements and so much creativity involved in there. Yeah, and I bet that would look, like, fantastic on, on IMAX or, like, um... Or like 4D with like wind or like mist or something. That'd be super dope, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then there was the. Uh, you want to talk about the the scene when Yi was playing her violin at the statue? Yeah. So I cried during this. I felt so much emotion. Um, I can't remember exactly what was going through my mind, but it was. Um, I think something that one of the characters had said or did and it just reminded me of like my ancestry and going to visit my father's homeland for the first time and it was like like feeling your ancestors you know like there's nothing like knowing your heritage and um i'm trying not to cry (laughs) um it's it's just an emotional feeling and like being able to do your art for for the people that you love and the people that you care about is just like fantastic so beautiful and like they want you to succeed even though they're like you know ten thousand miles away something like that right um this scene uh was probably like the like the scene in the movie for me in that in that um uh ye was on this journey to like to like uh like visit where her her father and her where her father wanted to go so in some way like this was like closure for for her in that she in a way got to um got to experience how should i word this like she got to experience um something that her father wanted for her and when she shed her her tear, that that was like like a 
it was like a tear for like both like joy and and sadness like it it carried a lot of weight to it and 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 when she was playing uh like the area around her started to like grow like new new life so i took that as, as like her her um like taking the next step but also keep keeping in mind you know like why she why she, she she's there and and how far she's come because you know it took a lot of maturity and and courage to get that far and i thought that was a lot for that character and i hope that made sense like i felt like i was though that was like word soup but no no i feel like it's hard to put words to because it's not an easy emotion to cover maybe unless you're german or something like that and there's an exact word for it but um yeah, especially for a kids movie, that that was that, that that's a pretty complex emotion. Yeah, and even the statue cried too. Like I don't know if you caught that. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Um, so so we kind of like glossed over over it a bit, but do you want to like like go like talk like say what you, what your heritage is? Yeah. So I mean, I'm half Iranian. So you know, Iran is not easy for Americans to get to. And I've only ever been there once in my life for about a month. And um, uh, my grandmother died about six days after I got back from my trip. So it was like when I went there, I went there to live with my grandma and experience things with my family. And I went like all over Iran, at least southern Iran. I didn't get to see much of the the north um, except for um, Tehran. But um, it is like a world that you've never seen. And most people have never seen it, you know, if you're American. But it, right now things are really tough, so it's, it's hard to talk about. But um, it was like she was saving that time for me to, to just, just to go back and see her. And see her where my dad grew up, the same house where she lived, and just be with her. Isn't that something how, like, it, it seems that, like, like in some way people can, like, hold, like, uh, like, hold on, like, they have willpower to, like, hold, hold, to hold on, but, like you said, when you left, she died, so in some way, may, maybe she felt, like, closure that, 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 that you were able to, to spend at least some time with her, and, and, and enjoy her her company if i'm not speaking out of turn yeah no no it's um it's tough to talk about um because even though she lived so far away she came to visit every now and again for about a year or two and so i got to know her a lot in those times and she's just like a fantastic woman she barely speaks any english but um she always seemed closer to me than my family at home here in the states so it, it was tough it was tough when that happened <laughs> um well those uh fart jokes right <laughs> well yeah uh so um everest's like burps flowers on gin that happened that was a thing that happened but but one thing that that we both had like a question on was how everest somehow took ye to all the destinations she had pictures of like how and like did he know but how did he know 
yeah, <laughs> like that was never explained. Um, but I don't know. But like, he's like this magical creature. Like, who knows what powers they've got? They've got the power to, to disappear in the mountains. So mm. the the power of plot convenience, <laughs> really. Hey, <laughs> that's my greatest power. <laughs> um, but the koi clouds. That that was a cool call back to like when the, the koi fish were swimming up up the, the stream and they were like on the koi clouds to like send Everest back home that was pretty neat that was beautiful I love the Chinese culture they've got such deep culture love it yeah a lot of like the eastern stuff like uh, Hindu stuff and like and like Shinto stuff and all that stuff yeah they have really cool lore and mythology there uh but um, so this was like the, the the third Yeti movie in the past year. We had Missing Link earlier this year, and we had Smallfoot from like actually around the same time last year. Uh, what's the like? Did did someone do like some sort of Inception job where they like went into different animators' minds to like plant this idea of a Yeti movie, and then like <laughs> we get three Yeti movies. Okay, well, okay, it's not about vampires anymore, guys. It's all about the missing links. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to do like a like like a Yeti thing now. What do you say? Do you want to team up and do like and do like a Yeti project of some kind? Yeah, let's uh, add to this little train of of Yeti. I don't mind. Uh, but what what did shock me was uh. This movie was not directed by an Asian person. Yeah, that that was surprising. Like it, it, I I don't know what to say, but that's pretty neat, I guess. Good for them. I maybe they like lived in China for some time or had like some sort of Chinese culture degree, because I'm sure that exists. <laughs> Perhaps I'm sure it does exist, but uh, this was directed by Jill Colton, who has who's pretty much an animation veteran. She's like worked for Pixar, she's worked for Sony, she's been working for DreamWorks for the past like nine years. Um, so um, yeah, she she definitely knows what she's doing, and um, yeah, she did good job with this one, this movie. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So there's a couple of things like I had a question about, you know, before we end this podcast, like, so Everest's parents on top of the mountain, because we're, we're going to talk about the ending now. Um, they were huge. They were as big as mountains compared to Everest. But in Mr. Burnish's flashback, the mother slash father wasn't that big compared to like the children. I mean, they were like how you would imagine a baby yeti would look to compared to like a parent yeti but like when everest was being held by his parents they would like fit in the palm of his hand just so but when Mr. burnish had his flashback they showed like normal and i like i just don't understand like how did they get so big and it made me think like that wasn't like the mother or father it was like an older sibling or something like that or and they're just like really curious too about the human on top of their mountain um 
I think it was, was it the, the staging, like where they placed the camera? Cause I, cause, cause, cause during the flashback, I don't think you could really like see them that much. Like they were kind of obscured in like snow and it was kind of like, like flashback fuzzy. So I don't, I can't really say, I don't really have a good memory of that, but I guess I'll. Well, if somebody puts it out on YouTube, I'm I'm going to show you because like it did. It didn't make sense to me seeing how huge they were in the end. Um, I mean, they were like giants. Um, well, anyway, so the other thing is like, how did they get off the mountain? Um, the Yetis helped, right? Like they they like like they clouded them to the to them. <laughs> they flew them yeah i guess i mean if they can fly on on like cloudfish i don't see why they couldn't like take them back i guess i mean that gets that's just like assumed it's just something you have to assume because you know they kind of just skip from hey we're on top of the mountain and now we're back at home right yeah they had to wrap thing wrap things up pretty quickly towards the end um, but there was a, a plot twist that I was like, uh, that I was pleasantly surprised about. Do you, do you know? Sure about Mr. Burnish? Yeah, with Mr. Burnish and uh, Dr. Zara, that was pretty interesting. I don't know. I kind of felt like it was pretty predictable. Yeah, uh, it just didn't feel right. You think so? Well, <laughs> um, Dr. Zara, like, if she's if she cares that much about animals, she wouldn't be working for somebody like that. What didn't feel right? Hmm. Yeah, because uh, they kind of made it seem that uh, that Doctor that Mister Burnish was like that, like he was definitely capturing them. It seemed, but I guess that was under the pretense for Doctor Zara that they wouldn't be harmed. But uh, I don't know. Like, I I'm I'm kind of confused on that, but. Um, and we never find out who the other buyer is either. Other buyer? Yeah, they mentioned another buyer. No, I don't think it was Mr. Burnish either. Who was who the buyer? Yeah, so Dr. Zara was doing all of this under the guise of this, like, um, animal activist doctor, I guess. Maybe animal behaviorist. And under it all she wasn't even a doctor most likely she wasn't even who she was saying who she was be and she mentioned that you know the buyer is gonna want this thing dead or alive you know at this point so it made me realize like oh there's a third buyer but they never disclosed who it was like it's not mr burnish he just wants this thing captured so that people don't think he's crazy it's whoever is paying more for more to Zara and her crew to like steal the steal Everest and sell him. I'm just going to pretend like I know what you're talking about, but um, other notable mentions was uh, Nai Nai. She was pretty great. Um, and something uh, that, that I, like that, that you may have mentioned, like, uh, when talking about like the the Chinese um, environment was I liked looking at like the apartments and the city and looking at, at, at like how a different 
culture, um, how their solutions different from like something in the West. Like, like they had this dish, like there was this, um, like on the uh, counter in the kitchen with like tomatoes on it, and they had this like glass dish over it. And for some, and for some reason, I just like really liked that. Um, oh, to keep like the flies away. Yeah, yeah, because it was like a like a glass dish over it, but you could take the the like the glass casing off to like take it, right? I don't know why that, but there was a room full of stuff. But <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the details in that room alone were just phenomenal. Like, you know. That's the little thing. It's the nuances that make movies good, especially animated movies. Those little things that, like, you know, if you if you see this movie, don't just pay attention to the characters because they're important. You know, your eyes are supposed to follow them, thought and everything. But the environment in this movie are just... I mean, the, the animators took their time with this and really made it look realistic, like somebody was living in that home. Yeah, definitely. Um... And, and I do have like one more like note on the movie that I want to mention. So uh, Ping, like the the little boy, um, for better or, or for worse, they definitely cast someone during puberty. Mm, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, no offense, and I'm sure that you'll grow past it, but like my ears were like bleeding a bit. <laughs> it was so cute though <laughs> i'm sorry kid good good acting but yeah yeah it was good acting it was cute you said yeah i thought it was i thought it was charming little that's the little things and i liked how like he like kind of thought that he was good at basketball <laughs> and he would constantly bring it up <laughs> you're like okay Alright, you know, show us what you got, bro. <laughs> um, anything else? No, I think that's it. Um, so next week's podcast, we are going to discuss a movie called Nocturna. Bye. See you next time. Hope you liked it. <laughs> Come again. And please share us with your friends and family as we would love to continue this podcast about your favorite animations. All of the information here is researched by Sarah and Garrison, and this podcast is produced and edited by Sarah Zadre. Special thanks to Joshua Phillips for the theme music. All while doing our research, we come across some amazing little videos and shots about the process of animation and we will be happy to share this information with you on our site, www.podsaga.com. And if you have any questions about the animations we will be covering, please don't hesitate to ask. Thank you and have a good day.